Thank you so much for tuning in. In a minute, you'll be turning in. I know you love that. Your Bibles in First Peter chapter two, verses nine through ten. So get your Bibles out, turn them, get your markers, pens, pencils, so you can make um, sort of some notes in your margin. We're um, going to be looking at. That. But before we go any further in this sort of encouragement series, uh, let's pray together. God, we pray that as we move forward, that we will gain courage from your word to live boldly like Jesus in order to bring you glory. We know of no, we know that every Christian, that is the foundational truth that exists to bring God glory, um, to live like Jesus through the guidance and comfort of the Holy Spirit. So help us to do that. So what that means, Lord, is you're, you're going to have to grant us wisdom beyond our years and give us discernment as our, we lay our life, our calendar um, in front of us and just say, look, here's where our resources are going and help us to know not only what you mean by it, which is a foremost importance, but what does it mean to us and how do we apply that to our lives? So uh, we thank you, Lord, for this time together as we worship and just sort of unearth um, your best plan for us in the midst of such a hard, difficult world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in this encouragement uh, series, uh, it's really important for us to begin to understand that the the whole book of this Bible, uh, the whole book in this Bible, 1 Peter, is meant to help us um, to be encouraged to live boldly. And we need to live boldly. Um, People who really care about stuff in this world, you can watch whatever you want to watch, news, social media, people at your workplace. If they're passionate about it, you're going to know it. Sporting events, music groups, um, however that works, you're going to know what people are passionate about because the way in which they live their life. And obviously, first importance is the gospel message of Jesus Christ, that he died for the forgiveness of our sins according to Scripture and was raised from the dead according to Scripture. So in this sort of understanding of these verses, we're going to look at how... um, you know, people are heading in the wrong direction and they don't even realize it. Uh, I would say if you've got a um, driving instructor in your church right now, they're saying amen, amen. Because I remember being on those driving tests and, and people heading down the wrong way on a one-way street or you, you're, you're lost. You're like, oh, I'm just going to turn down this road and get back on track and it's a dead end. There's no outlet and you have to turn around and go back. So there, we see people all the time doing things. In uh, That's why H has policies in organizations. That's why companies have the way that they make pizzas and subs and neighborhoods and HOAs have ways in which they do stuff. Or that's why you don't rob from your neighbor because that's a community in which you live in. So you see all of this taking place. And, and I was like, God, man, well, why are these verses really important to you? And he goes, because there are still people, and, and I know what this is like, myself included, I'm still learning so much about God, that are living the wrong way and they don't even realize it. They're heading in the wrong direction. They're going the wrong way on a one-way street. That's why really Matthew seven thirteen captures God's desire in this tremendously. So let's just look at this verse as sort of understanding why this is so important and the tension that you live in in this world. Um, enter by the narrow gate, parenthesis that, that's Jesus Christ and his salvation. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it 
are many. So when I looked at this, this passage of scriptures and ended up in this section of the message, I go, God, why is this so important? What's attention? He goes, because there's a whole bunch of you guys on the planet, a whole bunch of you that I created that I knitted together in your mother's womb that are headed in the wrong direction. And by the way, that road of life is wide and it is easy and it leads to destruction. But Jesus way is very narrow. The guidelines of the Bible, though there's lots of freedom in it, there's still guidelines where the world would just throw off all sort of morality, all sort of rightness and just allow anything to take place. So when I asked God, this is the verse that he brought to my mind through the Holy Spirit and just said, this is why. There are some that he calls all of us, really, all people to enter the narrow gate, which is Jesus. You must become a Christian to get to God and to spend eternity in heaven. Otherwise, you are going to suffer a life that leads to destruction. And those who enter in it by many, and you know this, in your heart, in your soul, the aching weighted burden of your life is telling you, look, you are living on this wide road. And it seems easy, but it is costing you so much. So not only will you spend eternity in hell but you're, you're, and separated from all that's good, but you're also going to um, just suffer so much destruction in this life. And God, and God says, look, the reason I share this truth is because I don't want this for anyone. I don't want this for your neighbor. I don't want this for your coworker. I don't want this for you. Would you, would you be saved and to live? Which um, leads us to this one thing. So how, how does God purpose in his kingdom to live out this truth and to help this to become less and less accurate of our family members, neighbors, and frenemies? In this one thing, God chooses to send you Christian so that he can set people free. God chooses to send you so that he can set people free. He sends Christians as the body of Christ, um, as the ones who are to celebrate his most excellent ways, publicly sharing God's truth in love. So this one thing tells us is like, look, God, God knows this is what's happening. It's a, it's a highway. A highway, an, a multi-laned highway that is wide and heading in the direction is full of destruction. But there is this narrow way, this this expressway, this way that is off the beaten path that then we might find through Jesus, right? What does the Bible say about Jesus? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one gets into heaven. No one receives God's best. There's no strength or healing in the weaknesses outside of Jesus Christ and God's will. So I would just say to you, and call to you and realize you Christians that, that that's what God's will. But you're watching this like, Nathan, I, I'm not a Christian yet. Oh, well, a big part of this message is you're going to be listening into the family meeting. As I talk with other Christians and challenge them on what the truth is, you're going to look in and go, this is what waits for you. The good, purposed mission of life waits for you after you're saved. So you're kind of listening in. You're on the fringes and the outskirts of the faith. And God would say, be saved and know that I want to use you to help set other people free. People love freedom. They love to be able to choose their favorite beverages and food and restaurants. We, we live in a great country in the United States that offers many freedoms that have been hard fought and cost people blood, sweat, and tears. And because of that, we're able to move through this. So let me set the context of these verses. So God's choosing to send you so that he can do the setting of free. So you just got to find those in those that aren't free and then let God do the work in their lives. But here's the context, right? This is what the passage of scriptures are going to bear out. So if, if this is your action, this is the world in which God operates in his kingdom. For people,
people to be welcomed home through salvation by God the Father's compassion. Out of darkness and the orphanness that is sin and into the mercy of God's light, his family and his compassion. So the context of this is, is God sending us as Christians to go into our workplaces and our live places and help to welcome people home through salvation first and then into God's great compassion and his great mercy. And the scriptures are going to bear this out more. But I, I think you need to know where God's headed in this and where Peter is commissioning people in this letter all over the Christian world in the first century, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be a place where people are welcomed home. I want you to be a church that welcomes people home into the the truth of God's whole word and into following and living like Jesus. Out of that darkness, this orphanness, this, this without a father, heavenly father, and into the life that exists. Now, the first step in that is salvation. So let me just take a moment and talk about that for a second because there, there, there is no hope outside of salvation. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. Nobody gets saved after they're dead. Um, it's only this side of eternity that we do. So when you're talking about salvation, we have to understand this as the scriptures bear them forth. There is a darkness that plagues all of humanity and it's called sin. You're, you're born with sin. It's because of Adam and Eve's transgressions and iniquities in the Garden of Eden that is given to every person that is born on the planet because it's passed down through the mail, except for Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of Mary. So he was born without sin. But for the rest of us, men and women, we are all born with this sin. And it's this plague that weighs on us. And its final cost, its final cost will be separation from God and all good things forever. I had a good buddy, his name's Alan, I'll credit this to him. I think it's appropriate for this section of salvation. Um, For some people, People, this is well for Christians. This is the closest to hell they'll ever get. But for the non-Christians, this is the closest to heaven they will ever get. And I'll tell you what, that phrase that Alan said, it messes me up bad. It messes me up bad for those who are not yet saved. Like this is good as it gets. And in this year and in this time, this has not been a great year for us. The, the country and the, and the world has suffered so many things. And to think this is the closest you're going to get to heaven, to the very, very best and perfectness that God has, because hell's what waits for you because you're not saved. Now, let me say this. Um, it, it's not just when you die. You can't just sit back and go, oh, hey, n- no big deal here. What we're also talking about is the current cost of sin is very lengthy. The list of suffering and unfulfillment and darkness is massive. And the only way is by being forgiven of your sins by grace through faith because of Jesus' death and resurrection can you be spared from judgment. Remember Matthew seven thirteen. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the gate and the road that leads through Jesus Christ. You must be saved. So that's what I would say to you who is not Christians and watching this. God is calling to you. He sent his son to live and die and be risen again for you so that you might avoid the destruction of this life and the next. That you might live forever with him and also experience the the strength that he has to offer during this time. So let's look at these verses. Um, 1 Peter chapter uh, 2 verse 9. Just a couple verses we're going to unpack here as we seek to realize that God chooses to send you, Christian, um, so he can set people free. And part of that is, is witness and evangelism. Helping people find Jesus Christ and knowing that they need him. 
Uh, but you are, verse 9, but you... Christians are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, God, who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. So what does God call us to do, Christian, with all the good that he's done? It's to proclaim his excellencies. To go forward. And it's just a, it's an appropriate approach to who God is and what life is. When, when people are in darkness, they already understand what that darkness is. They know what it is to suffer and to struggle and, and to be without hope. But when we talk about proclaiming the excellencies of him who called him, we are talking about celebrating the moral goodness of God, his virtues. And it's sort of a, the proclaim word is like a show forth, like you do it, like uh, maybe a show and tell in school that you experienced. But what we're talking about here is that we go forth and we proclaim that we celebrate God's goodness at work in our lives. One, because it's hard fought. First, Jesus' death and resurrection. Two, it's hard fought because we live in a world and there's an enemy out there that's against us that does not want Christians to prevail. Other faiths, other religions, other cults, other sects, he doesn't mind if those advance, but Christianity, he is against. And his and God's people, the Christians, he is against. So when we go out, think about that. Man, God's sending you to work to proclaim his excellencies that of how he called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. They're just, you can't get out of that. There are these caves called mammoth that are in Kentucky. And when you go down into those suckers deep into their depths and they flip that light off and there is not one stick of light in there, you can't see the hand in front of your face. You can touch the tip of your nose and not see your hand. So in darkness, there's only more darkness. How do we find our way out? I mean, even the tour guide's like, okay, guys, find your way out. No, you can't. The only way out of darkness is by shedding and sharing and the revealing of light. So they flip the switch on. God sends you into your workplace, into your neighborhoods, into your, your gyms and your restaurants in order for people who are in the darkness to go, this is the way out. This is the light of Jesus Christ. Here is his forgiveness. Here is his strength. Here is his discipline. Here is the hope of Jesus Christ. So God sends you into the dark places to bring people out of those into his light where he then sets them free. So you're a ambassador. You're a child of God helping them find the safe home. Help them to find a place where it's safe, where there's food, where there's clothing, where there's provision that God has provided for them. So out of this darkness, which is the ignorance of divine things, ungodliness and immorality, God says his marvelous light is full of open public spiritual truth and morality as it's based in scripture. So that's what you bring into those dark places. And God's going to place you there. He'll tell you where to go. He'll tell you what to do. Maybe it's missions overseas. Maybe it's being a missionary at your job, in your neighborhood, where you eat. But it's helping people find their way out of those great places of grief and sorrow and suffering. Let's look at verse 10 here. As we begin to understand, by the way, um, in that verse 9, you're chosen and commissioned by God. Right? You're commissioned. Um, I 
I love talking about that just simply because, well, I'll get to that in a second, but verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So let me just... I think the comforting part of this verse, and there are many things here, is that God's like, look, you've been where they are. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to have the same sin or go and sin more in order to relate to someone and then help them find their way out. That's not what he's saying here. What he's saying here is you know what it was like to be without mercy. Christian, you you remember what it was like to not be saved. You know what it was like to live for yourself, to gain for yourself, to have all this abundance for yourself, to be in poverty for yourself. You know what all of these things were and where they were there. And God reminds us of that. Look, once you weren't even a people, you were orphans without a home, living in this world, being consumed by it. And then you were without mercy, sinners not saved by grace through faith. So he's reminding them going, look, you're there. What does God want someone to do who is not a Christian with his mercy? Be saved. Because how do you go from not a part of the family of God to the glorious, wonderful family of God? It's salvation. That's it. You don't have to do anything. God's already paid the price through Jesus Christ and and made the way. You just simply have to be saved by grace through faith. And just ask him to forgive you for your sins. Confess that you want him to be Lord of life, that Jesus is the Son of God. Do those things. You were once not a people, now you are God's people. It's The adoption process is that simple. And God's already paid the price, so it's free. It is free. The other part of it is, as a Christian, what does God want us to do with the mercy that he's given us? It, it's helped the afflicted. When you go into those moments of darkness, you might bump into other Christians who are being called and sent by God in those same places. And God says, all of you Christians, all y'all, as we would say here in the South, all y'all need to go and help those who are inflicted. In fact, that word mercy that we pull out of there actually means compassion to help the afflicted. What is that mercy? You look at someone who's afflicted, you help them. You provide for them. You, you help care for them in the ways in which God leads you to do that. He will make those ways. So we receive that mercy. So it's compassion. So you're chosen and you're commissioned by God in verse 9 to say, look, here's, here's what I'm doing. I'm sending you out there so that I can set people free. Jesus did this in the New Testament. He sent the disciples at two. Then he sent 70 two by two. He sent people all the time. Moses, Noah for 120 years. Just rereading and re-going through that for 120 years as Noah was building the ark, he preached to the people that rain was coming. And only eight people survived the entire planet. God is sending you to share those words of redemption to people because the end's coming for them. One day they're going to die. Jesus is going to come back. The church is going to be raptured. And he says to them, go and share compassion to those who are afflicted. So as we close, first thing to think about. First thing to think about, are you a Christian? Have you committed and submitted your life to salvation? Has that been celebrated through the believer's baptism? Have you done that? Have you publicly committed in front of other people that you're going to live for Jesus? But if you're not saved, which is where we start first before baptism, if you're not saved, then that's what you have to settle now. You've got to Joel 2.32 this thing. Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Ask for forgiveness of your sins, the ones of commission and omissions, the ones you knowingly did and didn't knowingly do. And say, God, forgive me. Because this world is leading me to destruction. 
you've probably even said it about this world, depending on how long you live, like this world's getting worse and it is not getting any better. That's what this verse is saying in, in 7.13 in Matthew. It just leads to destruction. So if you're not saved, right now is the time to be saved. So all the Christians watching this, whenever they find this video, obviously now we're going to pray for you to be saved. Let's, let's, let's do that now because it, it's you. It's time for you and God. We're just, we're just leading you to Jesus so that he can set you free. God, we pray for those who are not yet Christians, for those who have found this message, however you've led them there. And we pray finally they'll go, yep. As much as I have, I feel like it's just destroying me. As little as I have, I feel like it's destroying me. As, as middle level, not too much, not too little, I feel like that, even that alone is destroying me. So God, we, we pray for them and we pray that they'll ask you, God, to forgive them for their sins. That they'll do that right now. Just simply say, God, forgive me for my sins. We pray that they'll ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life, that they'll follow His example and the leading, and that they'll go as the Holy Spirit discerns from them, guides them and comforts them in life, save their souls. May they ask that now, Lord. It's no work or no effort involved, just simply a willing spirit to say, yeah, I need to be saved. Do that, Lord. Save their souls, and might they ask for it. And for us who are Christians, Lord, as we look at this, we know this one thing. Look, it's been a family meeting. The Father's come to us and goes, look, I'm going to send you. The reason you live where you live, where you work, where you work, where you worship, where you worship, where you recharge, where you recharge, is because I have so ordained in my sovereignty to put you in those places. So whether we're living here on the beach, where we are, or somewhere in the mountains or the plains in between, Lord, help us to realize that, that you're sending us every moment of every day, not just on Sunday when we're serving in our local churches, on Saturdays when we're serving in our local churches, on Monday through Fridays when we're serving in our local churches, but all the time you're sending us to people who are in darkness so that they might be sent free. Might we be more intentional? So Lord, help us discern that you're doing that. Help us to realize you've chosen us for this path. You've commissioned us to go and do that. And that you've given us compassion to just help the afflicted. That's the means. So Lord, show us how we can help others. And their affliction may be physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, external. Help us, Lord, to be the kind of people that's going to set them free. Because Jesus has done that. We were once God as Christians, not a people. And now we're your people. We were once not a family. Now you're our Father. We were once without mercy. And now you've forgiven us. So this is the closest to hell we will ever get. Man, I'm so thankful my buddy Alan shared that. And, and we pray that we'll help that to become true more and more of other people. That we'll just help them to find the salvation in Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Use us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great and wonderful, purpose-filled day.